Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Oh, hey, good morning, everyone. You can have a seat. So good to be with you. My name is Michael, if we haven't met. And uh, this morning, we're actually wrapping up our series we've been going through called Firm Foundation. And as part of our time, uh, Pastor Don mentioned it earlier, we're going to be taking communion together, really special, special and sacred a way that we worship together. And so if you're joining us online, thanks for joining us. You can uh, grab a bread, piece, uh, cracker, juice, or, or wine to get ready for that. Uh, and in this series that we've been exploring, we, together we've been exploring what it means to commit to following Jesus in deeper and deeper ways, and what it means to make him the foundation and the center of our lives, and to build our lives on his ways and his teachings in a way that shapes everything else we do. Uh, and this morning, as we're wrapping up this series, I want to talk about an important aspect of what it means to do this, of following Jesus, and it's something that we just all love to talk about, which is the idea of sacrifice. Okay, whether we like it or not, committing to follow Jesus and building our lives on him as our foundation always requires a certain kind of sacrifice. Now, if you remember, if you were here at the beginning of the series, uh, one of the things that Pastor Dom talked about when we began the new year was he talked about New Year's resolutions. And he talked about how resolutions will never be enough for the things that God is calling us to. And one of the things that I thought about this week as I was preparing is I thought about how with New Year's resolutions, they actually do require a kind of sacrifice. They actually do take sacrifice in our lives. Many of us will make resolutions to start the year that will require uh, that we sacrifice our time or our energy or that we give up certain habits or commit to, to certain things. But even though that's true, it's not the same as the kind of sacrifice that Jesus calls us to. One example of this kind of, of revolution, the kinds of resolutions many people will make to start the, the new year is to commit to, or make a decision to go on a diet. Okay, you don't have to raise your hand, but maybe you've tried to go on a diet before, you've done it for maybe different reasons, or you've just altered your eating, eating habits. Uh, I know I have, okay, I didn't always look this good. Um, <laughs> bad joke, sorry. But, uh, you know, I think one of the things that's really interesting when we think about diets is that there's so many different options out there. There's so many different kinds of diets. There's the keto, paleo diet, there's the, the high carb or low carb, high protein, alkaline, raw food diet, the, the, fat, the, the eat deep fried food only diet. Okay, I made that one up, but that would be nice, right? Uh, but I th there's just so many options out there. And I think part of the reason why we know there's options out there is because people diff have different theories that are coming out all the time about what's healthy for us. But I do think the other reason why there are so many choices out there is because we are people so shaped by needing to have so many decisions so that we can pick and choose which foods we're going to give up and which foods we're not. There's the, the diet you can pick where you can eat whatever you want on weekends. It doesn't matter what it is, as long as you, eat, you, know, you don't eat them during the week. 
Or there's diets where you can eat all the, the junk food and dessert within two, a two-hour window, but not other times. Or the diet where you can eat as much fruit as you want. Or the diet where you can eat bacon every day. Sign me up for that one. That's the one I would choose. Amen. Uh, but now, don't get me wrong. I'm not d- knocking the idea of diets. They can be really good and healthy for us. They're not, all bad. They're not bad for you, at least not all of them. Uh, but I do think they're just one example of how, in our culture, how willing we are to commit to make sacrifices as long as we get to pick and choose what we're going to give up. The kind of sacrifice Jesus calls us to is nothing like that. It's not like other sacrifices that we make in our lives. The kind of sacrifice he calls us to is not about picking or choosing based on our preferences. It's, it's, not about a, it's not a negotiation, and it's not something you just decide to quit on after a few months or after a year, or once you've kind of decided you've met your goals. It's much deeper than that. It's not the kind of sacrifice that's based on your terms or shaped by your priorities, but it's the kind of sacrifice that goes much deeper than even what you'll get out of it. If we treat the idea of sacrifice to Jesus the same way that we treat going on a diet or different commitments or resolutions in our lives, we're going to be confused. And so far in this series, we've, we've tried to just give you uh, different images that come from the Bible that shape what it means to build our lives on Jesus as our firm foundation. Maybe you remember a few of them. There was the image of the, the cornerstone, the image of the anchor, the image of the rock. And there's uh, the image that I want to talk about that's really important, another biblical image that we're actually meant to understand as well as something that we build our lives on, is the image of the cross, And in a moment, we're going to look at a a passage, a part of the Bible, where Jesus is really going to talk about what it means to build your life on the cross. And, uh, but before we do that, you know, we all know this image of the cross, and that's not new for us, I think, at least for most of us. But even if you call yourself a Christian and you've called yourself that for a long time, it's easy to miss that the cross isn't just something that we live in the benefits of, but we're actually called to build our lives on this image of the cross, that our whole way of living and how we sacrifice will now be shaped by the cross. And there's a moment in Luke's gospel where Jesus pauses to teach about this idea, to what, of what it means to commit to this kind of sacrifice in order to follow him. This moment comes when Jesus is making his way towards Jerusalem, and he's actually making his way to go and to die on the cross. And we're going to look at what he says in a second before we do, but it's really important to note right away that in this moment, he's surrounded by a crowd of people. Okay, this is really important because often when Jesus is surrounded by a big crowd, he takes the opportunity to get really, really honest with them. Because Jesus knows that just being part of the crowd isn't enough to make you a disciple. That that alone doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. And he knows that there are those who are in the crowd only for the benefits, or that they're in the crowd just for the miracles, or just for the quick tips, or the inspirational quotes. And that doesn't mean that, you know, for those who are part of the crowd, that maybe they're not ready to commit in a deeper way, that they're not still welcome to be there and to learn and to just consider what it means to follow him. But Jesus wants to make it very clear that you can't stay in the crowd too long without learning that it takes much more than these things to really commit to following him. And here's what he says to them as he's surrounded by this crowd. Here's what he says. His large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Wow. Talk about a wake-up call, right? If any, you weren't paying attention before, you better be now. 
Like, why would Jesus say this? It's so brutal. But now that he's, I think he's got your attention, and before maybe you're tempted to just get up and, and walk away, we, and we're going to look at what Jesus is actually saying. Before we do that, we want to look at what he's not saying. Okay, this is really important. It's really important to understand that when Jesus uses the word hate here, that he doesn't actually mean it literally. This is really, really important to keep in mind, even just when we approach the Bible in general, that it's wise to think about which parts to take literally and to be careful not to apply maybe our, our own modern use of a word or a phrase onto the Bible and what the author is trying to say. Jesus doesn't literally mean that we each need to go buy a wooden cross at Renault Depot or Home Depot, wherever you get a wooden cross, maybe you don't get them there, but that we should actually literally be carrying one around every day. And he's also, in the same way, not saying you should literally hate your family or that you should leave them because they're toxic or that in some way they're evil, at least for most of you. Some of you have met your kids. I'm not sure. I'm kidding. I love your, I love your kids if I've met them. Uh, but when Jesus uses really the word hate here, he's actually doing something that was very common in the Middle East in his time. Which, and part of what he's doing is he's just using strong, like hyperbole, strong language to really get someone's attention. But more than that, the words love and hate together were often used in a way to compare and to contrast someone's devotion between two different things. It meant to love one thing so much that it's like you hate the other thing in comparison. That's kind of what Jesus is doing here. He's saying your your allegiance and your devotion to me has to take place of everything else even your closest relationships, to put me first in a way that I get the final say over everyone else in your life. This was even knowing this was such a radical thing for him to say at the time, especially in a culture that was very patriarchal, that was based or built on a very, you know, important kind of hierarchy within the family and everybody knowing their place in it, to say that those people no longer get the final say. And this is still really hard in our world today as well. Even in our culture, that's much more individualistic than that. To recognize that how we approach our relationships, when we do that in a way that doesn't put Jesus first, they can actually keep us from following Jesus more fully in our lives. This isn't easy. Putting Jesus first is so hard, especially if your life is shaped by the need to please others or living in fear of of judgment or even rejection from other people, especially if it's your own family. And for so many people around the world, this is a real reality. To know that when they commit to Jesus, it means likely that they'll be rejected from their own family. And in our world today, especially I think here in North America, I think one of the biggest ways many people struggle with this idea is uh, how parents approach their kids. It's so common that when people have kids, myself included, this shift can take place where the kids now become the whole identity. Their whole identity begins to revolve around their kids in a way that this relationship that's good, that's meant to be seen as a gift, now becomes an idol. This can happen with any part of our lives. That when something good takes the place of Jesus, and and even other good things, that they can become an idol. It's so tempting, I think, as a parent to build your life around fulfilling all the wants and desires and dreams even of your children, and to see that as almost a a, sort of a trump card over other priorities or or how you use your time and your resources. Now again, it's not, I'm not saying it's a, a bad thing or a selfish thing to want the best for your kids. That's actually really beautiful and really good, but if we're not careful, it can turn into a kind of idol. And I think a sign that maybe that's started to become unhealthy is when we actually prioritize that over other good priorities or even other good relationships in our lives, like our marriage 
Not only that, but if we're not careful, even our own dreams for our kids can keep them from what Jesus wants from them. Our dreams for them to be stars or to be successful or to make it to the NHL, not that I have those dreams, can keep our kids from really the dreams that Jesus has for them. And unless you learn to let them go, they can keep you from prioritizing what it means to actually model and pass on the faith. What it means maybe to give them time and space they need to discover what God really has for them. Now again, listen, I I don't want to pick on parents. I'm a parent, uh, so I include myself in that. But I really want to give this example particularly to show that I think Jesus is teaching us this, that anything, even something as good as that, can take the place of him. And when that happens, no matter how good that is, it can become an idol in our lives. And again, Jesus is not saying don't love well in your relationships. But he is saying if you're not willing to put him first, Not only can you not follow him, but you will never find the fulfillment or the purpose or the love you long for in those relationships in the way that he really fully wants you to experience them. Is there a relationship that comes to mind in your life where Jesus is asking you to put him first? To trust maybe that as you do this, he will give meaning and purpose to those relationships. Maybe for you even, it's not a relationship at all. It's another area of your life. Maybe it's your possessions or just the need to kind of possessions that you really want. Or maybe for you it's not those things at all because you don't even really like people anyway. You could care less about your marriage or your kids. That's you, we'll talk. Uh, Or you don't care about possessions because you're like a minimalist, okay? Whatever, that's you, I don't care. Uh, But maybe for you, the thing really (laughs) Jesus is really asking you to sacrifice in order to experience him more fully is the need to keep putting yourself first, in a world and a culture that tells us that to live life to the fullest is really to put ourselves first, Jesus says, if you really want to be my disciple, you have to put me even before your very self. Here's what he says next to the crowd. This is what he says. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Wow. Those are hard words. It's easy for us, I think, to miss in the moment even that for, for the, even the closest uh, disciples of Jesus, they must have been confused too when they heard these words. I imagine that when they heard, you know, he's talking about uh, hating your family and all that kind of things. They're probably thinking like, oh, that's just for the crowds. Like, we get that, Jesus. We left, we, we left everything behind to follow you. Until he says, even you will need to pick up your cross. Nobody in the crowd was ready for that not even his closest disciples. At that point, they didn't even understand what Jesus was actually heading to Jerusalem to do. They didn't get that he would even have to die on the cross, let alone that he was asking them to prepare to carry their own cross. And everyone at the time who was part of the Roman Empire knew that to take up your cross meant that you were preparing to die a brutal death, that to take up your cross meant you were giving up your own life. Now, I do want to pause for a second and just kind of make an important point or clarify something that that could be easy to miss. It's that Jesus is not saying that for you and I to take up our cross is the same thing as what he's about to do, that we do that in the same way. It's not the same thing. The way that Jesus takes up his cross is more even than just an example for us, and it's not something that we're meant to repeat in the same way. He dies on the cross as the one-time ultimate sacrifice for all of humanity, for all of creation that cannot and will not be repeated. But he is telling us 
that to be his follower is to build your life on him in a way that you don't just live in the benefits of the cross and the resurrection. You don't just tell others about the cross, but your whole life will now be shaped by the cross. And that means dying to yourself every day. It means dying to your own agenda. It means dying to your own priorities. It means that in your life, you no longer have the final say. You no longer live for yourself even. It means surrendering your own wants and desires to him. And it means making sacrifices that aren't just for your benefit or to meet your own goals. It means, and even more than that, in some cases, it means at least even being willing to literally give up your own life for his sake. Jesus knows that it's easy to be part of the crowd. It's easy to go to church because they have a good kids program or great coffee, which is true for us, amen? Uh, but that, and these aren't even bad things or even bad reasons. But to move from being part of the crowd to maturing as a follower of Jesus requires so much more than that. It requires that you take up your cross. And this doesn't happen overnight, but it's a commitment to live a life of surrendering more and more to his ways and to his teachings and to his priorities and his desires over your own, to let his purposes come alive in you. What would it mean this year to have your life shaped more by the cross of Jesus as your firm foundation? In what area, maybe, is Jesus asking you to pick up your cross and to follow him more deeply this year? What sacrifice maybe is, asking you, is he asking you to do in order to do that? What kind of things is he asking you to surrender and to leave behind? Before I move on, I do want to just pause and say, I know this idea of sacrifice is something that can easily be abused by pastors or churches, and it has been uh, in the past often, that this idea of sacrifice can be used almost to kind of manipulate or shame someone into doing something that they're not ready to do or that they don't want to do or that Jesus isn't even asking them to do. And we're really serious about not being that kind of church, you know, about walking alongside people and more uh, just helping them to discover those things on, its, on their own. But we need to be honest that it's impossible to follow Jesus without him asking you to put him first. That if you're ready now to give up the things he alone is asking you to, not to force you to follow him, but to invite you to experience more of the fullness of what it means to follow him in deeper ways. As Jesus shares these words to the crowd of people, he's now going to take them a little bit deeper by using a couple of parables. Okay, if you haven't heard of parables before, he does this often with parables. Is he's going to use them less as a way of explaining something in a way that's super clear and more as a way of challenging them in a way that's, that's really going to surprise them and to help even us to kind of imagine what it looks like to be part of his kingdom. And he's going to share these two particular parables that we're going to have in a minute as a way of highlighting how, how, highlighting how important it is to count the cost of following him. And not only that, but he shares them in a way that he actually flips the whole idea or the whole concept of counting the cost totally on its head. Okay, here's what he says. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able, with 10,000 men, to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. 
In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So Jesus is actually using this illustration of a builder building a tower and then of a king going to war to help us consider the wisdom of, of counting the cost, to stop, to count the cost before going too far when committing to something. But what's really important about these parables and something that's surprising that happens that uh, maybe you saw that he really wants to draw out is that in both of these examples, both the builder and the king come up short. They don't have enough materials or resources or soldiers to do what they set out to do in the first place. And Jesus shares them with this way to completely flip up, flip kind of upside down what it means for us to consider to follow him. He's saying not only is it wise to pause and consider the cost of following me, what it looks like to give up everything, but you should also stop and consider the cost if you don't follow me. Jesus uses these cultural examples of his day, of a builder and a king, to say if you choose to build your life on other things, where will that leave you in the end? If you choose to sacrifice and prioritize your life around material wealth or building your own empire or fighting the Roman Empire, in the end, will that give you the deep sense of fulfillment that you're longing for? One of the most important things to understand just about this idea of following Jesus, and maybe you've heard us say this before, is that everyone chooses to follow something. If it's not Jesus, then it's something else. And there are so many visions that we can build our life around whether it's a life of success or the need to get ahead or to win or to fulfill your dreams for your kids, whatever it is. And in this moment, Jesus is reminding the crowd and reminding you and me that everything has a cost. You can either choose to sacrifice to follow him or you can choose to sacrifice to follow something else. But if you choose to follow other things, you'd be wise to count the cost, not just of following that thing, but to count the cost of not following Jesus. In the business world, there's actually a term for this. Maybe you know it. It's called opportunity cost. It's the wisdom just of considering what you'd be giving out on or missing out on by choosing the other option. There's this lie in our culture that says that we can have whatever we want without ever having to leave anything behind. That we can just follow what we want all at once. And it makes it then easy for us to treat Christianity just like another add-on to our lives. Just to sprinkle a little bit of this along with everything else without ever making a real commitment to sacrifice or to really put Jesus first. But Jesus is warning us that if you choose to not follow him in deeper and deeper ways, you will miss out on the fullness of his kingdom and the real blessings he wants you to experience that comes from this life of sacrifice. This was true for so many years for me in my own life. For years, I knew, or at least I had a deep and growing sense that God wanted me to become a pastor. And I kind of ignored that for so many years because I wasn't willing to kind of count the cost or to give up the things that I wanted to do. I had my own dreams. I wanted to kind of be a business leader or make money or even just help in other ways, but I didn't want to become a pastor. It sounded too boring. And so I pursued these other things uh, I, went to, uh, I went to business, or I studied business at a Bible college, which is probably my first mistake. Uh, I was confused, forgive me. No, I'm kidding. Bible colleges are great. I had a good education. Uh, and then I went into the business world for a while, and for years I did that, but I, there was something was missing. I knew it. I wasn't feeling fulfilled. 
And years later, when I finally began to trust and to kind of make the commitment, the sacrifice to go down this road of becoming a pastor, something really surprising to me happened. What I thought would be a really difficult and painful cost suddenly became, felt really light. It didn't feel like a heavy burden at all. And I discovered something that was more profound than the cost. I discovered the real blessings that Jesus had, that he was waiting to give me. I discovered that I, could, I, I had dreams that I didn't know that he wanted to give me, that there was a deep sense of joy and hope that was waiting for me. And then years later, my family and I came to, to Quebec to join this church. We, we left a good life and good friends behind to come here. And now when I think of this passage, I think about what I would have missed if I didn't count that cost, if I didn't make that commitment and make those sacrifices, what I would have missed out on. I would have missed out on being part of this beautiful church of a renewed hope and sense of what God is doing in this province and in this city. I would have missed out on working with great people, of of seeing new people even come to faith, to be baptized for the first time. I would have missed out on people finding their home or finding a sense of connection with and community with other people in their home groups. And I would have missed out on even my own family thriving from being here. I learned that when you step into the cost, Jesus not only carries you, but he has the kind of blessings that only come through the cross. That it's only by dying to ourselves that he gives us new life. Maybe for you, as you just consider Jesus' words to count the cost. This is a moment to just pause and to consider not only the cost of following him, which is real, but to consider the cost of saying no to following him more deeply this year. What will you miss out on if you choose to say no? Now, likely this year for most of you, uh, you won't be called to be a pastor, though some of you will, I think. And, you know, parents, I just want to prepare you now. Some of your kids even, maybe not this year, but in years to come, will be called to be a pastor. And I promise you it's not as bad as you think. Okay? But all of us will be called to sacrifice in new and unique ways this year in order to learn to put Jesus first in your relationships or your own life goals or whatever it is, even when it's hard or painful. But when you commit to doing this, Jesus is inviting you to trust that he will take those sacrifices and he will give them new meaning. He will share with you the blessings that flowed out of what he did on the cross because of the resurrection. As we begin to kind of wrap up and as we prepare to take communion together, I'm going to invite uh, the band back up. Uh, When we come to the table that we're going to come to in a moment, it's, it's important to remember it's more than just a place where we remember what God did for us through Jesus' death and resurrection. It's also a place where we commit and where we recommit to having our lives shaped by the cross, to be shaped by Jesus as our cornerstone, as our anchor, and to be shaped by the cross. A little later, just as we wrap up, I want to share these words in Luke's gospel. Jesus continues on towards Jerusalem as he moves closer and closer to the cross. And as he's with another group of people, he says this to them. He says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. That's the mystery of the cross. That if you choose to hold on to your life and have things your own way, in the end, you better be ready for that cost. 
But if you choose to build your life on Jesus as the firm foundation, to commit to a life of sacrifice that's shaped by the cross, you will experience the blessings that come because of what Jesus has done for you and because of the resurrection. So as we prepare for the communion table, in a moment we're going to sing together a song called At the Cross. And as you, you sing, would you ask God just to show you what it would look like to build your life on him this year? in deeper ways this year than maybe you ever have? What would it mean to trust that because of what he's done, because of who he is, that the things he's asking to leave behind are worth the cost? To trust that as you do this, he will do something beyond what you could ever do yourself, beyond what any of us could do, and bless us in ways that you couldn't imagine. Jesus wants to give us new meaning to our relationships, to your work, to your whole life as you learn to surrender to him. So would I just invite you to stand and let's sing this together. Where your love ran red in my sin. 
You know, uh, Pastor Michael did a great job at helping us kind of prepare for this moment. And uh, if, if you're familiar with this uh, sacred meal, you know that in the Bible it doesn't really happen like this. <laughs> it happens in a house probably hiding and the disciples are probably lounging. They're not sitting at a table. They're lounging on the ground. And if you want to read it, there's a moment where Jesus almost wants to see if his disciples really understand what we just learned about this morning. If they really understand that there's this great cost that awaits them, but there's this incredible benefit that comes with it. And he asks them one very simple question. He says, take off your shoes. And the one in the room named The Rock says, no way. No way you're going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, as a symbol of washing him in his ways and, and washing their feet is this image of those who would go and bring the good news to the world. Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you can have no part of this. Even Peter himself would struggle to understand the cost of almost humiliation and letting Jesus wash his feet in that moment. So I'm not sure what that looks like for you, but this morning we're going to invite you to come up to the table. And maybe for you it's just one step of saying, okay, I think I understand sacrifice better now. Or for you it's the next step of saying, I'm ready, I need to be baptized now. I understand Jesus, I follow Jesus, but I need to take another step now. But if you're here and you're not there at all, like you're like, this is so brand new, I'm kind of just getting started, we want you to just feel welcome to be here and to understand that there's no pressure at all to come and to partake in this. It's actually the people who were ready and understood what Jesus was calling them to to do this. And so what we want to do is want to tell you what's going to happen is that we're going to invite you to come by sections and you're going to come on up. And Pastor Michael and myself, we're going to give you a, a piece of bread this is a symbol of Jesus breaking bread and saying that this bread represents my body broken for you. And you're going to take that bread and then you're going to go around this and you're going to grab a cup. We have a cup of either juice or wine. You take whichever one you feel comfortable taking. We understand that some people prefer one over the other. And even, just because we understand we live in different times, if, if you need a gluten-free option, we have that as well. But when you take them, we want you to take them with you and to go back to your seat and to wait and to quietly pray and to remember that what you're holding is a reminder of Jesus holding you, of Him paying the cost that you and I could never pay because even when we pick up our cross, we're only able to do that because He was on the cross. So we're even doing it through the strength that He gives us to do that. And to just wait there. And then I'll come back up in a minute and I'll read from the scriptures where we're invited to read and to understand the meaning of the cup and, and, and the body and the bread, the cracker. For some of you, this is going to be a special way to begin 2023. A special marker. Saying I'm going to build my life on Jesus. And from this moment, I want to grow in new ways because I'm understanding that there's a great cost in saying no to Jesus. It's a great cost in saying no to Jesus. Let me just pray for us before we invite you to come up. Father, we thank you for uh, the gift of Pastor Michael and his family being here. And the gift of him sharing from your word for us this morning. That we would understand 
not only what you paid for us to experience real life and real hope, but that you have a strength for us, the benefits of the cross that help us to pick up our own cross. And that we would do this and that we would be reminded that you have great things in store for us. So we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would help us, that as we come forward, that the Spirit would be moving in us and in our minds and in our hearts, helping us to pay attention to anything that would keep us from sacrificing everything to you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.
when Jesus turned to his disciples and he took bread and he was about to break it, he probably would have taken some time to tell them about the great story of God's freedom for all of the Jewish people. The great story of the Exodus. The great story of God who set his people free when they needed God to do something that only God could do. And Moses, the great patriarch of Israel, that he would be used of God, used of God to set the people free. And then Jesus would kind of begin to say, there is someone here among you who is even greater than Moses. And then he would begin to explain to them things that we can only imagine, but this we know for sure that he said to them. You'll see it on the screen. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take our bread together in remembrance of what Jesus has done. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take the cup together. Before we dismiss you, I just want to encourage you that maybe for you, you're here this morning and you'd love to pray with somebody or talk with somebody or understand better what some next steps are. We have people who would love to pray for you just at the back there in our prayer space. And we want to encourage you to understand like, that this is one of the most sacred things that we get to do together. Sacred because it's a constant reminder that there is a cost to saying no to the way of Jesus. That we together now, when we, even when we leave this place, we are together saying that we will be formed and shaped by the cross. We will not just make sacrifices that are beneficial to us. We now sacrifice in a different way. So we want to encourage you to understand what that means more. And maybe for you, you came this morning and you know that that means you're ready to be baptized. We would love to hear from you. We're excited as we begin a new year to to kind of start to set some dates in place for baptism. And that's a great thing that we get to celebrate together. But before I pray, I'm going to have you stand and just uh, remind you that next week, we're starting a new teaching series. Actually, some of you know this. We're starting a new teaching series on money. We all love to talk about that. We all want more of that. Uh, We're going to learn what the Bible says about money and about giving. And it's something that I'm looking forward to. So I hope you're here, ready to learn with us. But before I pray, let us just remember that we will never, ever outgive the faithfulness of our God. Never. That's who we pray to now. So let us pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus taught us how to pray. And as we pray, we understand that there's a kind of love that you have for us. 
that we can only fully understand and experience as we trust you and step out in faith when we're afraid or overwhelmed or even feel the weight of the cost. So this morning, we're so grateful for the power of the scriptures that remind us of the things that Jesus said, not only to his first followers, but to us today. And that because of the cross and the resurrection, we are given this new vision of what it means for us to pick up our cross. I pray for everyone in this room and those watching online that they would sense the power and the opportunity and the joy of stepping out in faith and trusting the God who is faithful. Even as we leave this place, we pray that this coming week, from morning times in traffic to night times with our kids and for dinner tables to just meetings, that we would understand that our lives are being built on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Would you help us to understand what that means as we make decisions and as we pray and as we do the things you've called us to? May you be honored in the way we live and thank you again for the power of the cross and your love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless everyone. We'll see you next week, our Tuesday night at our Bible study. See you soon. Drive safe out there. Be careful.